again, this church does an incredible job at supporting our students. And so I just want to personally thank you so much um, for all the prayers, all the support um, that you guys have shown. I know the youth appreciate you guys so much as well. Um, and so remember, April 7th at 6 o'clock, you all have plans to come hang out with the youth um, for our youth auction. Thanks. Well, good morning. Do you, do you ever find it um, challenging or, or, or tricky to know how to navigate your faith in, in the world? I, I know that sometimes I can find it a little bit tricky. Or how do I react in this situation? What should I say here? What should I do here? How do I respond? Uh, and, and, and it's heightened because we live in a world that seems to be increasingly, uh, if, if not um, hostile, at least apathetic to the Christian faith. Uh, uh, maybe you've sensed that. And we can get discouraged about that sometimes, but really that's not a bad thing because historically when you look at the church of Christ, it's, it's most often thrived and grown in, in a situation where it's more the minority, where, where the difference between what it means to follow Christ and what, it, and what the world, when, when it's a stark dis, a difference in contrast, the whole idea that in the darkness... The light shines the brightest. Uh, and so that gives us the opportunity, I, I believe, as, as the people of God in, in the world in which we live to, to really navigate and live our lives in a way that, that draws people to Jesus Christ. But how do you do that uh, with, with, with in, in a world that is so complicated uh, with so many different worldviews and, and perspectives and responses to, to, to the person of Jesus Christ? How do we do that? Well, today we're continuing our sermon series called The Way of Jesus, and we're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, which is found, of course, in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in the Sermon on the Mount, as we've seen so far, Jesus makes some really challenging statements. I mean, he really holds our feet to the fire. Uh, He holds up a mirror to our lives, and it's a mirror that reveals not only what's going on on the outside or the exterior, but it's a mirror that also reveals what's going on on the inside. It's sort of a his Sermon on the Mount, his words are like a spiritual you know, MRI or scan of some kind. But instead of showing us bones and uh, organs and veins, it shows us attitudes. It reveals values. It reveals allegiance. It reveals motives. It, it reveals where we need to grow and where we're hypocritical and where we're not in line with the values uh, of the kingdom of, of God. And, and basically, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus doesn't give us really anywhere to hide. And, and, and when Jesus does this, this, this is not some sort of scorched earth approach by Jesus. His intent is not to make us feel horrible, to tear us down, to destroy us, to leave us with no sort of hope, just expose bare, have no excuse at all. No, no Jesus, he's, he's, like, he's like a skilled doctor. He's called the great physician, after all, who, who points out the areas where we are unhealthy spiritually and relationally. And like a good doctor, he leaves no stone in turn because he wants us to be well. He wants us to be in right relationship with God, and he wants us to be in right relationship with other people. And, and let's, be, let's be honest, we need it. We need to hear this. We need his diagnosis. Um, we need to hear it because it's all too easy for us to look good on the outside. Nobody's the wiser. We look great on the outside spiritually, spiritual health. But on the inside, we can be filled with a lot of things that are unhealthy, spiritual disease like greed or lust or hatred or jealousy or, or self-righteousness 
or, or, or pride or idolatry. And, and so in today's passage, what Jesus does, Dr. Jesus, he turns the light on us again. So let's pick it up in chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. I'll read through it, and then we'll work our way through this passage uh, this morning. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. That's kind of interesting. We'll come back to that. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything... Do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. How, do we, how are we to navigate the world? How are we to relate with the people around us, both in the body of Christ and without? Jesus here gives us, gives us three actions, three commands. Don't be judgmental. Don't be undiscriminating. And don't give up. So first, don't be judgmental. In the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, there's this following excerpt. It begins, It was disturbing. People were sitting quietly on the subway. Some were reading newspapers. Some were lost in thought. But all that changed when a man and his children entered the subway car. It was chaos. The man sat down oblivious while his kids yelled through things and even grabbed other people's papers. Obviously, people got irritated. One guy couldn't believe that the guy would allow his children to run around like that and not even care. So he turned to the guy and said, Sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. The book says, here's what happened. The man lifted his gaze and said softly, Oh, you're right. I I, I guess I should do something about it. We, We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think. And I I guess they don't know how to handle it either. It's a dangerous thing to judge a person or a circumstance without all of the information. That's the point that Jesus makes in verses 1 through 5. In fact, verse 1 might be one of the most well-known things in the church and outside the church where Jesus says, Do not judge for you too, or you too will be judged. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Are we never to make judgments? Never, never to make evaluations about a person or situation or action, a circumstance. He's not saying that. I mean, we are to make judgments about what's right and wrong. And, and we, 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 we evaluate people. We, we have to do that. Like, for instance, if you're hiring a babysitter, you have to judge whether or not the person you're hiring is a safe and trustworthy individual with which to leave your children. If you're hiring an employer... An employee, an employee, you need to judge their suitability. You look at the resumes, you call their references, you evaluate them. If you're looking for a spouse, you better believe you'd make, you better make some wise judgments and evaluations before you, before you go too far. 
we, we should make judgments about what's right and what's wrong, about what's unjust. Those kinds of judgments are not what Jesus is talking about here when he says, do not judge. What Jesus means here is, is we are not to be judgmental and hypercritical and, and condemning. In other words, don't go around thinking that we're better than everybody else. I mean, there's few things that are less appealing than a follower of Jesus Christ who, who comes off condescending, a holier than thou. That, that turns off people so quickly. It's wrong and Jesus forbids it here. And then Jesus gives two reasons why we should not judge others in this way. First, God will judge us according to how we judge others. That's what he says in verse 2. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Treat others graciously, God will treat you graciously. Treat others harshly, God will treat you harshly according to how you judge other people. James 2.13 says, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. So that's one reason. The second reason is, is that we're not in a position to judge because we've got our own problems and issues. Verses 3 through 5 say this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? There's a difference in proportionality there, isn't there? How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the other person's eye. Now, now Jesus knows as a good physician, he knows our tendencies. He knows where we can have spiritual health problems and issues. And, and, and one of them is that it's very easy for us to be judgmental about the faults of others while being completely blind to our own. It's very easy for us to get more upset and more angry and more frustrated about the sins of other people more than we do our own. I mean, I'm guessing there's not a single person in this room who would, who would like being scrutinized for faults. I mean, if you look at any of our lives, any of our lives, mine included hard enough and long enough, you're going to find plenty of things to criticize. Why would we be judgmental toward others? when we have our hands full with ourselves. We need the opposite of this approach. We need humility. I mean, what if Christians were, 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 no, were not known for being self-righteous, but were known for being humble and, and honest and authentic about their own faults? In the book on Christian, on why people walk away from Christianity, one man says this, quote, You lost me when I was 16 or 15 years old. I wanted no part of a, an institution filled with hypocrites who talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. The book says people are looking for answers and for authenticity. When they see a church or Christians seemingly more concerned with appearances than with truth, is it any surprise that they flee? People have a, a nose, a sensitive nose for phonies and for hypocrisy. And when they smell them, they run the other way. The, the message of, of Christianity is not that we have it all together that we're better than, that we're holier than. The message of Christianity is that Jesus is gracious to sinners like us and offers grace and forgiveness. As one pastor puts it, I like how he puts this, the message of Christianity is three things. First, I'm a complete idiot and I mess up all the time. 
Second, because of Jesus, my future is incredibly bright. And third, anybody can get in on this. When, when that is our, our message, there's no room for us to be arrogant or, or judgmental. When we understand the grace that Jesus has given us, how could we ever think to look down on anybody else? Jesus says, be less judgmental, hypocritical. Be more honest. Don't be judgmental to others. But then Jesus helps us avoid a, a, another error. It's the other side of the coin, I guess you could say. He says, don't be undiscriminating. Don't be undiscerning. You know, this, this is tied into that, that strange verse, verse 6, where Jesus, and this is interesting because it comes right after Jesus has told us not to be judgmental. Jesus says, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So on, on one hand, he says, don't be judgmental. Don't be hypercritical. Don't be, don't be hypocritical. On the other hand, he says, don't be undiscriminating. You need discernment. That's, that's how we know that, that Jesus' command to not judge is about being judgmental. Because in this verse, he tells us to judge, to make, to make decisions, to make evaluations, to be wise. You know, in dogs, in our world, dogs are fun family members, pets that we spend time with and lavish and we post pictures of them and but in Jesus' day, dogs were not cubby things. Most dogs were, were scavengers. They were feral. They, they roamed the streets looking for something to, to clean or to, or to, 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 to eat or to, or, to, or to hurt. They're dangerous in Jesus' day to be avoided. And, and Jesus is saying, avoid dangerous people. Use discernment. When Jesus spoke the words about pearls, pearls were more valuable than, than diamonds. Jesus tells us to be careful about taking the most valuable thing that we have, the, the good news of Jesus Christ, and offering it to people who, who just throw it away, who are hostile to it, who, who are opposed to it. We need to extend grace to people, of course, but it doesn't mean we are to be undiscerning in our interactions with all sorts of people. What Jesus is saying here is that there will be people who will not want our help. And we are to be discerning. Don't try to force God's truth on someone who isn't ready. Show them love. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you openings, but don't force it. There's one more thing Jesus tells us here. He says, don't be judgmental. Don't be undiscriminating. And don't give up. Now, now, sharing the good news of Jesus and living in a way that points people to Jesus in our world is, it can be challenging. It can be complicated. It can be hard. And when we truly live out the values and the commands and the attitudes of, of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, not just on the outside, but on the inside, people are going to notice. Some will be drawn to that, but some will think we're nuts, think we're going ridicule us or reject us. And, and we're not going to have all the answers when people come against us. Following Jesus is rewarding and important, but it's, it can be hard and it can be, it can be discouraging at times, which is why I think Jesus gives us these amazing promises in verses 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find and to those who knock the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, so Jesus here, he opens the bank vault of heaven for us in this passage. He's inviting us to a relationship with the Father where, where our Father is, is, is more willing to bless us than we understand. More willing to bless us than we are willing to receive his blessing. If we want to live the kind of life that Jesus calls us to in the Sermon on the Mount, have you ever asked God to help you to do that? Do you want to be used by God like never before to make the difference in the lives of other people? Jesus says, pray about it. Ask, knock, seek. Surely your Father in heaven will answer that prayer. God will respond. I mean, think about how our lives how much different our lives would look if we really understood this and applied this. Ask, knock, seek. So, so let's pull this all together. Jesus invites us to, to live a life that points people to Jesus, to Jesus Christ. To not be judgmental in a hypocritical way. To not be undiscriminating, unwise, and to not give up because our confidence is in God, knowing that as we ask, as we seek, as we knock, he will answer. And when we live like that, and when we relate to God like that, we will come closer in our relationships to what Jesus says in verse 12. So, in everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. When we do this, when we do to others as we would have them do to us, when we don't judge in a hypocritical way, when we extend grace, when we seek to understand, uh, when, we, when we are wise and discerning, when we show faith, God will be, people will be drawn to God and will be known as people who are gracious and wise and dependent on God in prayer, which is not easy to do. I mean, no one said the Sermon on the Mount is an easy thing to do, to live out. Because Jesus, as a good physician, knows that our tendencies, that within us, each one of us, there's, there's this sin gene almost that, that causes us to be self-centered and proud and, and judgmental. That causes us to turn a blind eye to our issues, but be laser-focused on the issues of the people around us. To cause us to be people who lack discernment and people who lack faith. So we are to ask God to change our hearts, to help us to see others as, as he does, to love others as he does, and to seek their healing and restoration as he does. Jesus says, ask, knock, seek. Your Heavenly Father will surely, surely respond. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. We thank you. And Lord, we come before you and we confess and admit um, as, we, as we hold up this mirror of your words, uh, we, we fall short. Uh, Lord, we are not consistent in who we are on the outside and the inside. And uh, we fall prey to pride and judgmentalism and hypocrisy. And sometimes, Lord, we, we, don't, we don't come to you in prayer and faith and uh, we try to do things in our own power. So, Lord, we confess that. And, 
we just ask, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit you would strengthen us, you would shape us, that increasingly we would be people who are gracious, who are discerning, uh, who are faithful um, for your glory to point people to Jesus Christ. We ask this in your name. Amen. the baptism portion of our service and at first covenant we believe that it's important to take a few minutes to explain what baptism symbolizes and